You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Well, good morning. Everybody ready for Christmas? Hopefully, because it's like it's midnight hour, people. <laughs> you better be. Um, that's the first time I've actually seen that video myself. That was very good. Uh, appreciate you guys that came and shared on that, but hopefully you're ready for Christmas. That ain't going to stay there. Um, if it means you've bought all your gifts... If that's what being ready for Christmas is, um, then hopefully everybody's ready. If not, like I said, it's about too late. How many of you have to still go out? Like you're going to run out this evening and do like any last-minute shopping. There's a couple of you like, yeah, me. Um, If it means you really need a break from work and you're ready to have some time off, hopefully you'll get some of that if that's what it means to you. Um, If it means you're spiritually prepared and want to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I'm... I'm in on that and hope you are too. Uh, So uh, I want to challenge you guys with something, especially the dads. I always do this every year. Uh, Or if you're the head of your household, if there's not a dad there, and we'll talk more about that in a moment as we saw some of the folks in there talk about that, one. Um, But if would you please... If, if you are a Christian father, head of your household, to get up tomorrow morning and remember to make Christmas not about the presents, not about uh, M&M pancakes, which I make for my kids, or uh, any of that stuff. I, we do all that, but I'm going to sit down and we want to read the Christmas story and remember that it's simply about Jesus and what he has done for us, and we celebrate his birth and because that was just the continuance of God's plan to redeem us. And and that should bring us more joy than anything we can get from anybody else. And so one of the ways we like to help, uh, if you haven't this morning, we've got these out at a table. Um, This is a big picture interactive Bible. If you've got kids or grandkids and you're like, if you want to pick up one of these per family to have one of these Bibles, it's a gospel project uh, Bible for kids. Absolutely awesome. It shows Jesus all the way from the beginning of creation all the way to through Revelation and how, and it helps you and guides you through that. It's a great resource. So we wanted to make sure every family had one of these. If you don't have one, uh, you're able to pick one up that, out there, and there's resources for you in here for reading the Christmas story and some stuff on Christmas. So we just want to make sure that you have the tools you need to do that with your family. There's also an app that goes with that Bible and some really fun games and some other books and stuff. And my wife is great with all that. Uh, if you want more information, see me or whatever about that and the app and all that stuff. But there's, there's info in there. So just grab one of those per family if you want to, if you, if you have kids and want to do that. Um, but just challenge you guys to make that the focus. Um, so... Uh, a lot of what I teach on Sundays is God's promptings of what I kind of kind of out of what God is teaching me personally. Does that make sense? Um, I can't teach something that I haven't learned or God hasn't shown me. So as I learn and grow and he shows me things, 
this morning is kind of an outpouring of what God is doing in me. Uh, there's that personal side, but then as a pastor as well, it kind of walks hand in hand sometimes, and sometimes it's two different things in, in what he's teaching me as a pastor and as just his child. But, um, but, but what he's teaching me then comes out as being a pastor, and uh, people have questions at times about my sermons, how do you put things together, how do you do that, and how do I prepare, and I just do what, what I think most pastors do, and, and, I, and I just, I read the Bible, and as I study, and as I uh, just kind of have that relationship with him, then my personal reading he, or studying, he, just, he teaches me things, so it always kind of starts with God's perspective. Of, of what he says and who he is. And then I'll pray and just say, God, what, what, do, you, what do you want me to say? And what, what, what do our people need to hear? And, and what do you want me to teach them? And, then, and, and it starts there. And then I'll look around and, I, and God will start to bring things to mind about and questions that people have had in the church. Or they'll ask me, you know, or it'll be situations I know going on in people's lives or or just where we are collectively as a church and what needs to be spoken to the church. And, and God will prompt through that. And then I'll throw it out there to different people, to the staff or to the deacons, or I'll just be around people and they'll say something and God may speak through other people. And it kind of goes along with what God's been prompting and that kind of thing. And, and so I'll, I start digging into that and researching that verse or researching that topic. And I listen to great theologians of the past and of our time and, and other pastors. And, I, and, I, and you just get in there and you study really hard for hours. Um, and, it, and it takes anywhere from 10 to 20 hours to do something like this, to come together to, on a Sunday. And, I, you know, and you've got those people that go, he uses notes. I don't believe none of that. You know, you just got to, God will give you the words in the moment. And I believe God can speak to you on Monday the same as he can on Sunday morning standing up here. He can speak to you the whole week, not just that one day. And so I listen to God all the time, not just when I walk up here and go, what do you want me to say? Not, not that you can't do that, okay? That's fine if that's somebody's approach. But, but I, don't, I think it's hard to get, um, I think you get more shallow doctrine that way than if you study and prepare and, and, and know. So I, I, I research, I look at things that, trusted other pastors say that are well beyond me and that's what keeps me growing is 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 I can't teach I can't grow the church beyond myself I can't help you or teach you things beyond what I know so I have to keep growing and so hopefully what you get on Sunday mornings is a God initiated especially for T-Car message and the doctrine and the theology are solid on those messages because of the time and the great research from trusted solid sources. It's a great time of blessing for the church, but it's also kind of a time of you got to be careful of what sources you get into and what you do listen to. And But we can draw these days from so much knowledge and insight and so many pastors and, and things about the Bible than, than we've ever been able to before. And uh, it's a process that keeps me, if I'm not growing, I can't help you grow Therefore, the church grow, growing beyond myself. And it's simply about teaching the Bible and using those tools to do that. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it, okay? But it's amazing to read this book called the Bible and what happens to you when you do. It, 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 can, it can really 
rock your world. It's, it's, the, it's the primary way that God will speak to you, the primary number one way. This, it's the, this Bible is very important, okay? And because, yes, I can speak to you this morning and teach from God's Word, but I am not a replacement for your personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and His Word that He's given you. And it's amazing when you get into this word and there's things I, I understand and I'll dwell on it and, it and it just, it just some of you know me and how I, I get kind of excited sometimes because I'll read something, I'll be in my office and I'll read something and I'll go, oh my goodness, that is amazing. And I have to get up and I just, it, this is the, as Pentecostal as I get, okay, I, I'll, I'll come in here and I'll walk around the church or if it's nice outside, I'll just be up in the parking lot. You may walk by the church and you'll just see me walking and all I'm doing is just walking around going, that's crazy. That's amazing. God, really? Like, and I, I'm just having this conversation about this whole thing about what, what, what he just revealed to me that I've never seen before that I'm just like, that is so awesome. And it's just, or it might be something that's, wow, that's really convicting. And man, I need to change. And God, really? Okay, I'm going to, you know, and you go through that whole thing. But anybody besides me, sometimes I'll be reading and I'll, I'll get to a passage, and I just don't even understand it. I'm like, not really sure what that means, right? Anybody else do that? You're reading, and you're just like, what is that, okay? That doesn't even make sense based on what I know, based on what I'm reading. And, and, and so, and, and it's okay that we don't understand some things sometimes. Um, sometimes I'll read that, and I'll just pass on through and keep on going to the stuff I do understand. And there's sometimes it'll make me stop and go, okay, i got to figure that out. And I'll try to figure it out and research and look to other passages and things. Um, but it's okay because maybe one day you will understand it, even if you don't now, and you just have to be okay with that. You know, it's one of the challenges. It's what makes the journey exciting. Like one time I preached a passage out of John 10, and then like two weeks after I had preach this passage, I like saw something in it that I had never seen before. It was, it was really amazing. And, and I had preached this message talking about Jesus and him being the good shepherd and how we hear his voice. And we, when we hear his voice, we follow that voice. Um, we hear his voice and he cares for us. And it, it says in there, uh, after it says we know his voice and he cares for us, he says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And this is the part that I'd, I'd always gone that, yeah, we hear, like as a Christian, we hear his voice and we follow him. But it gave this other side, too, that's interesting, that I just never, I'd always just read right through it and never even paid attention to it. But it says, but they will never, that's a strong word, okay, and there's a point to that, they will never follow a stranger, okay? Because you guys, and here's, you understand where I'm going. I'm, I'm a firm believer in perseverance of the saints that once, when saved, you're, you're saved and you don't lose that. And this says that they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The sheep, they'll follow him, but they're gonna, they're, they will never follow another voice. Once you're truly his and you follow him, you won't turn away and follow any other voices in this world that call to you to follow something so much less than what you could have in, in Jesus Christ. And the, and the Bible's evident, full of evidence of that theology. But it doesn't say you, you might go another way or 
says you'll never go another way when you are his. You'll stay the course and follow. doesn't mean you won't fall sometimes or get tempted into something and, and trip, but you're, you get back on course. Um, and because and I, I can be one big mess up sometimes. I mean, I, hopefully you would admit that too. And I'm glad I have him to follow or my life would get really ugly really quickly. And he is always there to bring me back to reality, back to the right path, path as that shepherd leads. And I'm so glad to be a part of that allows people room to grow. Allows grace for people to get things wrong and stay in the game and correct and keep going. As we've said around here for many years, we don't shoot our wounded. You know, something happens to somebody and they mess up. We just don't come along and go, oh, well, you're over. See you later. Just push you to the side and move on, okay? And Isaiah in the Old Testament is a prophet who understood that whole thing too. He was a great example of, you know, you can be totally unclean. As you've seen him called out by, you know, God was looking for someone to go for him to be a spokesman. And, and yet Isaiah, his first reaction to that is, oh my gosh, not me, because I am so unclean. All these people I, I live amongst are unclean. And, and so he, he understood that whole we're a mess thing. And he was, he was just like anyone else. He, he was uh, a prophet. He had this life-changing experience, but he, he knew he was just not qualified to do this in and of himself that he was unclean, but I, he answered the call, and God continued to use him. Isaiah was an unlikely candidate for the, the prophet role, and that's how we see God do things a lot, a, lock, a, a lot in life, is he'll use unlikely people. But God just, again, rocked his world, and, and he agreed to speak for God as a prophet for the rest of his life. And some of you have had an experience that has changed your life as you encountered God through reading the Bible, through hearing a sermon of someone's or, or uh, a friend speaking to you, maybe a church service or maybe through pain in your life, maybe through blessing in your life. But you haven't been the same since that moment. You hear his voice and now you follow Jesus, the, the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been trying to clarify through this series who Jesus is just to get us to focus in on because there's such a cloud around Christmas and the world screams that it's about so much other stuff. And even us as Christians, it's almost as if this is where I... I, I I step into and trample on people. You know, I, I get to sounding legalistic, and they're like, oh, you're just such a downer at Christmas and all that stuff. I'm sorry, okay? But there is nothing that holds a candle to Jesus at Christmas. Not Santa Claus, not some snowman, not some... Like, my Christmas is not less if I don't have those things. It's just not. I don't need it, okay? And you may, and that's okay. That, and... and I have to be careful, okay? Because I, 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 grace, okay? There's grace in there. But it's like, it just it's beyond me. And I'm talking to Christians, okay? If you're not a Christian this morning, just kind of go, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm hoping Santa brings my stuff, okay? But it's like the comparison. Like, how can we sit and... I'm so off track this morning, okay? How can we get so into this... Um, you read a verse like, if, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to hate your mother, father, brother, sister, all that stuff, but yet it's okay to love Santa and 
uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we don't have this. Like it should be such a gap between everything else on the planet, everything else ever created, everything else in our life that Jesus, if we're his, that we go, there is nothing that brings me more satisfaction. Like I could get nothing for Christmas. We get, that's the part that gets me is people get so upset about I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. And you say you know Jesus. It's beyond me, okay? Like, I don't care if I get anything. Because it's not about any of that stuff, okay? It's wonderful to give. It's wonderful to be generous. But don't let that gift of a, whatever it is, even an Apple Watch or, you know, some Bluetooth headsets or, you know, whatever it is you want, okay? Don't let that override what you have in Jesus. There's just no point in that. And it's never going to satisfy you. And that thing will be gone in a month and you'll be looking for the next thing to fill you up. That's the way it always is. Okay, so I'm totally off track. Sorry, but, but I've been trying to just point us toward this is who Jesus is and there's nothing greater than that at Christmas than him. And so please don't get unsatisfied with that and think it's found in other things, other things okay? Don't lose your joy to do the not to do the typical preacher thing and play on words, okay, but don't lose your joy over presence gifts because we don't find joy simply in his presence, Jesus being with us, uh, his meaning Jesus, his name is Jesus, and you can go to that what's in a name, talk to Tyler and Bailey about that if you want to know more about that, but what's in a name, okay, sorry to throw that in there um a name is important. You know, in a lot of cultures, a name is, it defines who the person is. They're given this name because it defines them. We see that in, in things about Jesus uh, and what's in his name. In our culture, it's more of a lot of names get associated with reputation in the community. It's not so much defines you from birth who you are as it, as it seems, you know, as other cultures try to do that. It, but yet it's, it's more of, you know, certain families and they have a certain reputation, so a name does mean something, but certain characteristics about that family. But names are important. My name's important to me. I don't want people thinking bad about, about who I am. And, and so Isaiah, as a prophet, spoke for God during his time, and he wrote some, some well-known scripture about the coming Messiah and who he was and what was contained in his name. And so let's look at Isaiah 9, 6 that talks about this. It, it says in there, and I'm reading from the NASB, that's the main um, translation I use. For a child will, will be born to us. Hey, he's, he's, he's looking hundreds of years before and looking to the future saying, that it's going to happen. This child will be born. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Okay? And many of you have heard that read before. You read it on a Christmas card already this year. Isaiah tells us in this passage that Jesus is coming soon. Not right now, but in the future. And he gives us descriptions of what the reputation or what will be associated with his name. And he starts with Wonderful Counselor. Or you could even just say wonderful. There was one translation I saw that had a comma after wonderful, and it separated wonderful and counselor. But, but he is, either way, he's a wonderful counselor, or he's just wonderful. 
He's wonderful, period. Some versions would say marvelous, okay? Um, wonderful or marvelous. Any, anybody remember the boxer from the 80s? That, that was his name. They call, what they call him? Anybody remember who he was? I know Tony knows, but he's refraining, right? Yeah, marvelous Marvin Hagler, okay? He was the middleweight champion from 1980 to 1987. He holds the distinction of the highest knockout percentage of all middleweight champions at 87% or 78%. Um, but in, in 1982, he was upset with uh, announcers that they would not always use Marvelous on the beginning of his name. Mar- it was um, Marvin Nathaniel Hagler, but he was upset that people wouldn't always call him Marvelous. So he legally changed his name to Marvelous Marvin Hagler so that his lawyers could come after you if you wrote anything about him or talked about him and didn't use his proper name, okay? Because he wanted to be known always as, as Marvelous, okay? That's a, now you'll get that right on Jeopardy if you ever hear that, okay? But, and then there's that guy, you remember the guy, uh, the comedian that, that used to, I can't do it well, but he'd do the whole, you look marvelous. You remember that guy? You might remember that? Billy Crystal, right? Billy Crystal used to say that all the time, okay? One of his great lines. But, but Isaiah says here about Jesus that people are going to say that he's marvelous, that he's wonderful. When he teaches, people will say that the things that he says, his teaching is it's so wonderful, it's so marvelous that it just changes me. Like it just, it just there's something it does in my life. When he ministers to people and he interacts with people, They'll look at him and just go, man, he's so marvelous. He's so wonderful. And when people have sinned and and they're broken and they don't know where to find help or forgiveness, they'll say, man, Jesus is a wonderful Savior. He's a wonderful counselor. How how many of you have lost a loved one this year? I'm not, I don't want to be insensitive, you know, not be sensitive to your loss, but you've lost a loved one or somebody important to you. And your loss, I'm not, I want to be sensitive, but your loss emphasized to you at that time the importance of, of our earthly families and people we know knowing Jesus and having hope beyond this world. And, and so for those of you who lost loved ones, who those loved ones, those people you cared about were Christians, and, and, and I mean, you know they belong to God. You know, I mean, you know it. Not just that you want to tell yourself they were because it makes you feel better. Because that's what we do at funerals. At every, funerals, everybody goes to heaven, but that's not the case. In fact, fewer people do than, fewer people uh, do go to heaven than don't. As the Bible says, narrows the gate, okay? And, and, I, and I don't bring that up to upset anyone, but just to say, was it evident in their life? Was there fruit in their life that showed that they just prayed a prayer, walked an aisle, you know, whatever, got saved when they're eight eight years old in VBS, but nothing ever really changed for them, okay? But if you know that they were really, really a Christian and they're in heaven, can you imagine, just imagine what they are experiencing this Christmas. 
They're not just down here like worshiping God and praising Him and He came for us. They're walking with Him. And they're looking, they're looking at Him going, He's so wonderful. He, he's just marvelous. They aren't just celebrating Jesus. They're with Him. And I hope that brings you some comfort. And, and within that, with that, Isaiah says, He'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, what do, you, what do you think of when you think of counselor? Like high school guidance counselor, right? Like, well, when Isaiah speaks of Jesus as a wonderful counselor, you have to remember that Jesus is, is a counselor that has given advice within the Holy Trinity, as we talked about the Trinity a few weeks ago. Weeks ago. He, he has given advice in that circle. God the Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus. Okay, this counselor, Jesus, has been there from eternity past when there was given this decision to make everything we see, to create the universe. He was there giving counselor when the first man, Adam, was made. Let us make God in our image, right? This counselor, Jesus, who Isaiah says is coming, was there when creation was put into order from the foundation of the earth when the plan was made for our salvation and redemption. He is a wonderful counselor. I think he knows what's going on. I think he's fully well aware of everything going on in your life. I think he knows, okay? So the thing becomes, do you really think he can't handle your issues? That's going on in your life. He isn't just available to pastors and priests. He's available to counsel every person who is humble enough to ask for it. Is there anybody this morning that would be humble enough to say, I am so glad that I have followed the promptings of God as He has guided me and has gotten me to where I am today by His counsel. Would anybody say, I, I am so glad I followed His advice? Anyone that would just acknowledge it. I don't think I can ever get over watching as a pastor when I see it in people's lives, how He guides and speaks to people and takes them to new places in life. It's just so wonderful to see that. Sometimes it just changes everything. It got me out of the business world and all that I was trying to do and my own goals and stuff in life and, and got me to doing this. I mean, he just changes people's lives. So many of you have heard the stories of my high school reunions and me going back and them looking at me going, you're doing what? That's the funniest blanking thing I've ever heard in my life. That's what they say to me. And they laugh, spit out their drinks. It's like, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, because God can do that. He can like totally change your life, okay? So here's the thing. How many of you are facing a fairly big or critical decision in your life? You don't have to raise your hands on this. Between now and the end of the year, between now and the first part of next year, like you've got a big decision right in front of you. Job or financial decision, a relationship decision. Isaiah says to you today, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He, he's, he knows what he's doing. Seek his counsel. Great wisdom is found there. 
And, I, and remember, the primary way he speaks to us is through his word. And I do that every week when I think about standing here before you on Sundays. I so want him to counsel me on what I'm to say. And sometimes I pray and I pray and I get silence sometimes. And that's frustrating. You've probably experienced that. You're like, just feels like I'm just praying to that wall. But I know he's there. And I think God is wanting me to realize at times that what he's already been teaching me or saying to me previously, that I don't need a new clear word. I need to go back to what he's already said and what I already know that he's told me. And then sometimes it's, it's clear and I get this clarity about the scripture and the subject matter that I'm to teach. Those are exciting moments since I'm so dependent on God for that. It is so much that it scares me when I don't get a peace or sense about what he wants. He's a wonderful counselor. But Isaiah also says he's called mighty God. This is Jesus. Can you imagine people listening to Isaiah? Here's Isaiah, this prophet. And he is saying to people, this one that's coming, that's going to be born on this earth as a man, will be called mighty God. Could you imagine what the Jews thought? I mean, those were fighting words to Jews, right? They're like, whoa, wait a minute. Nah, you can't go there, okay? But even as you get to that day Jesus is born, which is what Christmas is all about, it's about celebrating the birth of mighty God. Isaiah says it again in, in 714, um, but in the New Testament during the birth of Jesus, it also tells us that he's going to be called what? Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus, he will save people from their sins. Pointing directly to the fact that he was God himself. That was the Jews' problem with him. John says at the very beginning of his writings, go back and read John 1. We covered it, uh, David covered it one week. I talked about it. Go back and listen to the previous messages in these series or just go back and read John 1. Okay? It's, it's, he is God himself. He has always been there. And then ultimately, Jesus was put on the cross for what? For preaching too long? Thank goodness, no. Okay. Praying somewhere he shouldn't have? No. What did he get put on the cross for? For claiming to be God. Okay. And here's the thing. Mohammed never claimed to be God. Buddha never claimed to be God. Confucius never claimed to be God. Allah can't be God if you believe the Bible that we have because he is not Jesus because they deny the Trinity. So if that's the case, he can't be God. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons claim Jesus is a man, become God, you know, but Jesus would do miracles that proved it. And then he would say things like, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen him. And ultimately proved he was mighty God as he claimed he would die on the cross and then be resurrected from the dead. And here's the big deal about that. Do you think he was mighty God? Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? Because if you do, it changes your whole life. Our whole faith hangs on that issue. 
Our hope hangs on that issue. As much as you like this church or the teaching or small groups, home teams we call them, and and you invite people to come here and you're excited about what's going on, our whole deal here hangs on this issue that Jesus wasn't just a good guy, that he didn't just teach good lessons, but that he was mighty God. He can rescue and change a life and completely with finality, and nobody else can do that. All hope is in this issue. Now, Isaiah says he will be called something else right here that I want you to see as well, especially those of you who don't have a dad to speak of in your life. Maybe your dad has died, or maybe he's just not in your life for whatever reason. And Isaiah here says that Jesus will be called eternal or everlasting father. I mean, how many of you have lost your dad or your dad just didn't around? A lot of you, right? I still have mine, and I'm glad I... Did he already take off? See there? I guilted him into into coming this morning. Now he snuck out on me, okay? Can't guilt people in the church, okay? I tried my best, though. But he got caught. I thought he was here, but... He comes. He has a hard time because, you know, for pastors, we're constantly using the whole, you know, sermon examples from family and this way it was when I was a kid. So mom and dad have it pretty rough. Uh, but they still come. And I'm glad that I have my dad and he's still, and he comes to church most of the time and actually listens to me on Sundays. He does not listen to me really any other time. But he has to when he's sitting here captive, Okay. Um, but I've heard my dad say many times that he wishes that his dad was still around. And for those of you who raised your hand, I, I just I want to read you another verse, uh, Psalm sixty-eight four through six, and it says this: Sing to God, sing in praise of His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before Him. His name is the Lord. And listen to what it says: A father. To the fatherless. Okay, then there's some of you that lost husbands, or you're a widow. You're, you're, it says, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. And the, the biggest way he does that is he brings you into his family. He wants to, if you will, be a part of it. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. He's our heavenly father. And you you don't... He's a father to the fatherless. He makes me think... um, Just makes me think of... Most of you know Amber, right? And you just go, well... I, you know, the only thing I don't know about was when she was born and the 25 days she spent at Children's Hospital. I don't know if her dad ever saw her. But she never has to worry about it. Sorry. I don't know. This is another one of those things comes out of nowhere. I didn't expect that. Sorry. Uh
And, you know, I'll think about her dad. And I'll think, man, I pray sometimes, man, that he'll just, Jesus will get a hold of him, his life will change, and all of a sudden he'll want to be around her. And becomes the godly father he was made to, to be. But I know that Amber has to never worry about being without a father. And even if I wasn't in the picture, for her to know God the Father and how he is a father to the fatherless is greater than anything I could ever do. Whether God uses me or not, she isn't without a dad. No one here ever has to be without a dad, ever. You just choose to be. You don't have to walk around fatherless. Jesus will walk with you. He will guide you. He's a wonderful counselor. He will affirm you and be proud of you. If you just listen to him and become a part of his family. Eternal, everlasting Father. And finally, the last thing you see in there in the Isaiah 9-6 is Isaiah calls the coming Messiah the Prince of Peace. You see this everywhere at Christmas, the Prince of Peace. Well, what is that, you know? I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is definitely not full of peace. The whole Middle East has been at war since Isaac and Ishmael. I hope you realize all that stuff going on over there, you know, people pray for peace in the Middle East. It's never going to happen, people, okay, until Jesus comes back. Because it's a biblical, it, Isaac, Ishmael, that whole divide, that's just, that's just part of the biblical narrative. And not that it's wrong to go try and to evangelize and get people to know him and try to bring peace, but there's just, that's never going to be fully resolved, in, you know, as, until Jesus comes back. Then you've got the world wars. If you go all the way back, Vietnam, Korea, not to mention our own involvement in the Middle East, and Egypt had its deal, and Libya, Syria, all that tensions in North Korea now, and all that, ISIS and terrorism. And now you just look down at Honduras and what's going on there and the presidential election, and that finally got settled, but now there's some rioting and stuff, and all that should be calmed down by the time we get there, but that kind of thing going on in places and various places all over the world and many of you know people who are serving in the military or serving overseas in dangerous places and you often pray don't you just wish there could be peace on this earth right do you know what anybody got a kleenex because i'm about to slobber all over myself sorry thank you sir But do you, do you realize the impact that not having peace has on our economy? If you took the defense spending for the top 10 countries in the world over a 10 to 12 month period, let's say over a 12 month period, one year, the top 10 countries, 12 months, it amounts to like $1.5 trillion more or less. One year. 
Okay? What could you do in the world with that money for one year? Just having that one year's worth of money. You could feed every starving person on the planet for just $20 billion. We're talking $1.5 trillion. $20 billion feeds everybody. We're talking about, we could clothe, house, feed, provide medical care for every person on the planet. Might come up with cure for AIDS or progress that or for cancer research could be progressed greatly. Could you imagine if we could just get people to stop fighting for one year and say we're just not going to put that money into it, right? Lack of peace makes it difficult to do what we need to do for each other. It's a cursed world with sinners living in it, okay? Jesus, when he walked the earth, he sat down on a hillside and he said what? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And James said, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And I just want to personally apply that this morning and say, if you're a person who doesn't have a harvest of righteousness, Maybe you're just not a peaceful person who sows peace. But you're always stirring something up. You get mad and come down on everyone. And you're so aggravated with everybody else trying to get peace. But you're not a peacemaker. You can't get peace by not being peaceful. Then Jesus really gets down to earth and looks at all, all of us and tells us to love our enemies. How in the world do you do that? Could you imagine on Christmas Day if every leader would just declare no more war, we're just going to sit down at uh, conference tables and solve everything. We're not going to fight. And on Christmas you see hundreds of thousands of soldiers getting off planes and boats and just going home. Do you feel the peace in that? It's, I'm glad there are people who serve and protect and do that. I don't want to make it sound like that because we know this just cursed world, sinners, not going to happen. But it's what Jesus can bring to your heart regardless of the condition of the world. And that's the whole point we want to bring this down to, Okay. Jesus has come, he was born on this earth, and one day he's coming back again to bring final peace, even greater peace, to the earth. But in the meantime, until he comes back and brings that final peace and ends all that, he offers individual peace in the midst of chaos on the earth. He is a wonderful counselor. He's just marvelous. He is, a, he is a mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. And you can be placed in His family today, even though we are rebellious and have been counted as His enemies, He will forgive you, take you in, and, and begin to cause this, through the Holy Spirit in you, this what's called the fruit of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, love, joy, peace starts to come out of you. You individually get that, 
regardless of what's going on around you? You can have that. Like, and that is, tell me a greater gift than that at Christmas than to just be full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, to where all that just is a part of who you are and you're just, you're just full of those things because you're full of Jesus. But you can have that right where you're sitting this morning. Maybe you don't have that. We're all sinners. We have turned our own ways and said no to God. And now through Jesus Christ dying on the cross in our place for our sin, we can be forgiven. The wrath of God, as spoke about in that video, has been taken off of us and put on Jesus. It's been removed for us by Him. And sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. And because Jesus did that, we can begin to walk with him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He becomes that fully to us. And it's just a matter of you admitting your sin, repenting of it, which is just turning from that sin and yourself and turning to Jesus. Maybe you want to do that right now. Let's just heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. We're going to sing some more in a moment. But I just want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know God as your everlasting Father, you don't know Jesus Christ as mighty God, Prince of Peace, you don't, you don't know Him in that way. He's calling you this morning to say, Here I am. You don't have to be alone. You can be in this family. You can, you can, you can have peace in the midst of this world. And you just... It's just by quit trying to do it on your own. You can't, no matter how good you are or good your works are or how, how much money you make or, or how much fame you have or how much people like you. It doesn't matter. If you don't have Jesus, you'll never be satisfied. And you just turn from yourself to Him. You, you might feel Him pulling you right now. You can feel Him speaking to you saying, Come on, come to me. Today's it. I want you to experience Christmas like you've never had a Christmas before. And you just turn from yourself and your sin and turn to him and say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, to, to give me forgiveness, for, for defeating death and being raised from the grave, that I could have new life and have the Holy Spirit in me that can change me. Father, just change me. May, I just want to follow you and walk with you. I'm yours. From this moment forward, just take my life and do what you will with it. It'll be hard sometimes. There'll be things that need to change that I don't want to change. But I ask you to bend my will to yours. And that I would begin this journey and that this, this work that you start in me, I know you'll complete. So I just surrender to you. For the rest of you here that you'd say, I'm a part of the family, but maybe I've got off track with, with where all this needs to be. I'm just... And I hear his voice and, and I'm just going to turn back to him. 
his. I'm part of his family, but man, I'm, he's still working on me. And here's something else that needs to change. And it's a never-ending process until we get to heaven. He just changes things about us. We'll never be perfect. We're not Jesus. So he just says, hey, here's the next thing for you. Would you just change this? Would you just look at this different? Would you just follow this prompting of the Holy Spirit this morning? Right now, you just do that. You just say, God, I'm surrendering that. I'm, I'm, I was off track, and thank you for showing me that. And so from this moment forward, that part's going to be different. Doesn't this scripture just bring hope to you? The greatest hope we have of anything better ever is found only in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus and all that's contained in him. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that changes us from the inside out. I pray this Christmas might be different for people because they, for the first time, they realize what it's really about. And for the first time, they spend Christmas as your child. Or maybe for the first time they spend Christmas with a greater focus on their joy in that child being born, Jesus, that would be our Savior, that would bring us into the family. God, we thank you for your overcoming power in our lives. That regardless of what this world brings, you bring us so much good. So thank you, Father. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.